Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome. We're so glad to see you, and I hope everyone's ready for Christmas. I have a question that I want every one of us to consider tonight. And this is my question. What is the meaning of Christmas? You know, this time of year, you're filled with so many things. And my thinking is, do we really contemplate the coming of Christ into the world, or are we simply consumed with material It's a great question, isn't it? What is the true meaning of Christmas? Think about this for a second. We live on this relatively small planet that is spinning around in this massive solar system that's part of this gigantic universe that no one can ever measure, and the one who made it all actually visited this planet and came to die for sinners. That's what we should be thinking about when it comes Christmas time. You know, I was uh, at the mall this past week, like, crazy. It was absolutely insane. Biggest challenge was to find a parking spot. Driving around for like 15 minutes, and I literally could not even find a parking spot. Finally, into the mall, and the lineups, the stores are absolutely packed. And I am sure that the amount of money that was spent in Halifax is, is just massive. But I did a little bit of research, and I just want to share this. It's kind of... Um, in the U.S. this year will be $616 billion. You imagine the amount of consumption, and here's what happens. Uh, banks and, and financial institutions, they say that credit cards are absolutely loaded this time of year. The gifts that everybody's given to one another, they're they're probably sprawling out underneath the tree, and you're going to go home tonight, and so am I. We're going to see it there. And think about this. How much food do we consume at Christmas? Like tons. And we get into this materialistic society, and we start to think, what am I really doing? And then a few days later, and we hit the January blues. The toys that we've bought for our children are broken. The gifts are forgotten. And the credit card bills come in. And you get buyer's remorse. And you start to think, did I really spend that much money? Like, wow, what happened? This is the question that every one of us need to consider tonight. What is the true meaning of Christmas? Is it really to be consumed with material things? Or is it not rather to consider and contemplate the coming of Christ into the world? I just want to say tonight for every one of us, don't miss the true meaning of Christmas. It is Jesus Christ, God's Son, who came into the world to save us from our sins. And I'm going to read to you from 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15. Here's what it says. This is a faithful saying, worthy 
to be accepted by everyone that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Folks, this is the greatest event of all history. It is the ultimate rescue plan of the ages. It is the most supreme love that this world has ever known. When God, yes, holy God, visited our world and came to undertake the cause of dying for lost and guilty sinners so that none of us need to perish in hell forever. That is the true meaning of Christmas. The Lord Jesus said in John chapter 3 and verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will never perish but have everlasting life. That is the meaning of Christmas. When it comes to thinking about this, I, I've categorized my thoughts in three words. And I want to leave these three words with you to contemplate on Christmas Eve. What is the true meaning of Christmas? Prophecy. Purpose and personal. The coming of Christ into the world was prophetic. The birth of Christ was for an eternal purpose. And most importantly, it was personally significant for you. And folks, if you miss that, you will have missed the entire purpose of your life. Why you are here. What this world is all about is that Christ Jesus, God's Son, came to die for sinners. You know what makes the Bible absolutely unique? Different than any other book that has ever been written. Besides the fact that it is God-breathed, it is living and it, will, it is eternal, it will never fade away. Besides that, Here's what makes this book unique. It is prophetic. And I want to share with you tonight from the scriptures some of the amazing examples of what was written more than 800 years before Christ came into the world and were fulfilled to absolute accuracy. This book is undeniably unique and different than any other book and the Lord Jesus Christ coming into the world and dying for sinners is the greatest purpose that could ever be known and in case you have missed it this is personally significant for you and that's what I want to share with you tonight in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 these words were written and it was prophesied, unto you a child is born, unto you a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name would be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, 
the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Was that fulfilled? It was absolutely fulfilled. In Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4, we read these words. When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his own son into the world, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem them that were under the curse of the law. That's you and me. In Psalm chapter 2 and verse 7, it was prophesied that God would bring his own son into this world. Do you know what it says in Hebrews chapter 1? It is the absolute fulfillment of that passage. It says that in the day that God brings his own son into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. This is my only begotten son. The Lord Jesus was unique, different from any other man. You know, there was a day when Jesus was uh, baptized, and on the banks of the River Jordan, there was likely a, a large multitude of people that were there watching. And you know what happened on that day? The heavens were opened, and God said, This one is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Folks, that never happened to any other person that ever lived in this world. This is God's unique Son. In Isaiah 7, there was a sign that was given. You know, you might say, well, how do we know that Jesus is God's son? I mean, how do we really know that? Well, in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, the Lord himself will give you a sign. And this shall be the sign that the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Do you think that happened? Absolutely it did. In Luke chapter 1 and verse 35, it is written that the angel came and she and he appeared to Mary. And the angel said this, the Holy Spirit shall come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. And that holy thing which shall be born of you shall be called the Son of God. You know what it says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21? It says, you will call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. In Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, it was prophesied just exactly where he would be born. Where was he going to be born? Bethlehem. Which Bethlehem? There's a Bethlehem in Galilee, and there's a Bethlehem in Judea. It's pointed out specifically. Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. The one who is from everlasting, ruler of my people, he will be born in Bethlehem Ephrata, Bethlehem Judah. And so what happened? God just so arranged the circumstances of Joseph and Mary's life that when Mary was about to deliver the child, they got called to Bethlehem. And as they go to Bethlehem for the census, at that very same exact moment that God had ordained, Jesus Christ was born in the town of Bethlehem. You know what's also totally amazing? is the prophecy in Daniel chapter 9 and verse 25. 
It was prophesied that Messiah, God's son, would come exactly 483 years from the time of the commandment to rebuild Jerusalem, which is Nehemiah chapter 2, 445 B.C., and that from that time, 483 years, Messiah would come for three things. You know what it says in Daniel chapter 9? It says that Messiah would make an end of sins. It says, number two, he would atone for iniquity. And it says, number three, he would bring about everlasting righteousness. Prophesied to the very day, 10 Nisan, of when Jesus Christ, Messiah, would be cut off. Not for himself, but for the sins of his people. Folks, that makes this book different than any other book. It gives absolute accuracy, validity, and authority to the scriptures. And it proves beyond the shadow of doubt that Jesus Christ is God's son. And that he did what he said he was going to do. In Isaiah chapter 53, there are amazing words of prophecy. Written 750 years before Christ came. It says that the Lord Jesus, God's servant, Messiah, would be rejected by the nation of Israel. Did that happen? Certainly it did. It says that the people would turn against him and that he would be, he would be despised and rejected of men. And it predicted that he would become a lamb that would be wounded for the sins of the people. That happened in precise detail, that Jesus Christ was crucified. This is the reason why he came, to die for our sins. There's an answer to that prophecy in Luke chapter 22 and verse 37. Jesus is going to the cross, and here's what he says. He said, the things that are written of me must be accomplished. They must be. In reference to Isaiah 53, it says he was reckoned among the transgressors and he bore the sin of many and he made intercession for the transgressors. You know, at Christmas time, we like to think about a child, a baby in a manger. He is infinitely so much more than a child an infant, a human baby. He is God. And he is manifest, revealed in flesh. And he came for an ultimate purpose, to go to a cross and to die for your sins and for mine. So we can be reconciled to God. So we can have our sins forgiven. So we can have eternal life through faith in believing in Jesus Christ, nothing else. Through faith in believing in Jesus Christ. In Mark chapter 8, the Lord Jesus turns to his disciples, and you can read it in verse 31, and he says this. He says, we go up to Jerusalem. And he says, the Son of Man will suffer many, many things. 
He will be rejected and he will be killed and the third day he will rise again. Did that happen? Absolutely it happened. That's what makes this book unique. That's what makes the person of Jesus Christ unique. He is proving beyond the shadow of a doubt that he is God's only sinless, spotless son that came to die for your sin and for mine and to rise again to bring us salvation. That is the fulfillment of prophecy. Could I share with you real briefly what the purpose of his coming was? Simply put, it was to die for sinners. Have you ever considered that personally before God, you are a guilty sinner? You ever considered that? Have you ever considered that you personally have a debt that you owe to God, almighty, holy, righteous, just God? You ever considered that? Folks, the Bible says we are all sinners. There is no difference. The Bible says we have sinned against a holy God, every lie, every lust, every sexual immorality, every time that we disobey our parents, every time that we are filled with greed, every time that we are angry, every time that we take God's name in vain, we have accumulated a debt, every one of us, and we can't pay that debt. But here's the purpose. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Do you know what's so awesome? Is that while you can't pay that debt, somebody loved you enough to pay it for you. Somebody was willing to take your debt of sin and say, I will die for it. I will be punished for your sin. This person, folks, is the Lord Jesus Christ, God's son. And he came to die for sinners. Friend, I have a question for you tonight. Have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ personally for yourself? Do you know why that is such an important question? Because in John chapter 3 and verse 18, it says this. He that believes on the Son is not condemned. No more judgment for every single person who has believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because he died for you. Because he bore your punishment. But every person who has not believed on the name of the Son of God is condemned already. Folks, we have two, two types of people. One who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ and will never be judged for their sin. And the other, who has not yet believed on the name of the Son of God. You may have done many good things. You may have given money to the poor, attended church, done so many good things. Folks, that will never merit eternal life before God. It's empty. Every person who has believed on the Lord Jesus Christ is saved by the grace of God. It's a gift. Can't be earned, 
It's not merited. It's accepted by faith. Believing on Jesus Christ for yourself, you have the forgiveness of your sins. If you do not believe, you're condemned already. That's why when we think of the true meaning of Christmas, it's not just prophetic. It is infinitely prophetic. And it's not just that there was the ultimate purpose that Jesus Christ would come into the world and die for sinners. And a lot of people make the mistake of thinking, well, then that's it. We're all saved. No, you have a personal responsibility before God. You have a personal accountability before God to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. No one can do it for you. You might be raised in a Christian home. Your parents can't believe for you. You might be a very good person and religious and attending all kinds of church services. That will not do anything for you. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Plus nothing. If you do not believe on him, you'll be condemned already. I want to take you to the moment of the cross. God's son is standing before Pilate. He has a crown of thorns upon his head. He has been scourged. A Roman whip has been beat down across his back. And the prophecy was that he was wounded for our transgressions. He's standing before Pilate. And Pilate doesn't want to deal with Jesus. Isn't that like many people today? We just don't want to deal with this thing. Folks, I'm going to tell you, on the authority of the word of God, you will deal with Jesus Christ. He is Lord, he is Savior, and he will be judge. You will all deal with Jesus Christ. And Jesus is standing before Pilate, and Pilate wants to let him go. And then he's in a dilemma. Do you know what he says? I'm going to read you what he says. Matthew chapter 27 and verse 22. Pilate says, what shall I do then with Jesus, who is called Christ? You know what's so amazing about this message tonight? This is personal. This is between your soul and God. No one in this room can do it for you. You, before God Almighty, can have your sins forgiven, can be right with God by believing on Jesus Christ. Pilate is in a dilemma. What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called Christ? This is a personal question that every one of us need to answer for ourselves. What is the true meaning of Christmas? Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Who are the sinners? Hey, folks, that would be me. That would be you. He died upon a cross and bore our sin and was buried, and he rose again. He is the Savior of the world. He shed his blood so our sin could be forgiven. God raised him from the dead, a monument to the world that says, I am satisfied, proving that he's God, proving that he is worthy of your trust. 
This is a faithful saying worthy to be accepted by all that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Do you know him? Have you trusted him? Have you believed on him? Or are you indifferent? Does it mean anything to me? Folks, it does. It is the most significant thing in your life. Jesus Christ, Savior and Lord or Judge. What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called Christ? And as I close tonight, here is my final question to you. Is he your personal Savior? Folks, the meaning of Christmas is Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. I hope you all enjoy your Christmas, but I hope you contemplate the reason why Jesus Christ came into the world. Thank you, John. We will pray and then we will sing.